This is Real Estate Rookie Show number 43. And I think newer people might be like, oh, what if they steal this deal from me? But I don't think that really happens in those kind of things. You know, I think they're more so ready to help you. So. is Ashley Kerr and I am here with Tony Robinson. But today I am coming to you from Houston, Texas. <laughs> Got my little to-go set up here. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, I'm like, Ashley, where are you? This isn't the normal closet setup that I'm used to. <laughs> I'm free. I'm let out of the closet. I tried to open up the shades behind me to show you the beautiful view, but it was just, I was too dark and then it was just out. all white yeah. light. You couldn't even see out the window, but yeah. So what's, what's new with you, Tony? Um, new with me, we actually, uh, I, I just got an accepted offer on uh, my last house for sale in Shreveport. So once that closes, I'll be, I'll be out of that market completely. And then, uh, we actually should be closing in maybe four weeks on our next short-term rental in, in Tennessee. So lots of things happening. We're excited. What about you, Ashley? What's going on on your end? Well, I got my liquor store going. I have two rehabs going on right now that I hope to have them both finished up this winter and yeah, but Nothing else, really. <laughs> I feel like I, all I do all day is just like check reports, check in on things. And I've been so hands off, which has been really nice. Like beautiful. Putting these that's systems in place. That yeah, that's said, what we want to get to, right? And I, know. I, I think that's such a good point, right? Like about the systems, because that's even though we've only got a few short term rentals right now, I'm like, I, I just met with this other investor and she's got, I think, 15 short term rentals. And she was telling us, she was like, you really want to focus on getting the systems in place now. So we're, we're trying to, we're looking at maybe getting like a VA and doing some other things that, it'll be cool to help us scale a little bit more so yeah i'd be interested to hear about the va yeah, that, that, that way i can be like you actually where i just like kick back and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel i like i'm getting so bored though and i was telling another investor he's like wow your life is so lame <laughs> so yeah i just have to find the the next exciting shiny object to chase i guess but um yeah so today we have uh jacqueline smith on who is a house flipper and the best thing about this is, you guys, is she's going to give you access to the Excel spreadsheets she uses to document and track everything for doing a house flip. So make sure you guys listen for how to get those. And I think Jacqueline's story is really interesting because like some of the other folks we've interviewed, she started investing this year in 2020, and they've done such a great job that, that they've been able to leave their W-2. So if you're looking for some inspiration on how to make that happen, you got to take a listen. Yeah, it's definitely inspiring for sure. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. 
or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Jacqueline Smith, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. We're excited to dive in and to hear more about your story. So I guess share with myself, share with the listeners a little bit about you, how you got started in real estate investing. Sure. Yes. Mainly this year, we started actively investing the beginning of 2020. But before that, we did some live-in flips. My parents were stuck on us, making sure we didn't have like super high home loans. So we bought a foreclosure as our first house. They were able to help us get it fixed up and they purchased it on their equity. And this is when we were like 19. So it was a while back. So we got that on their equity. We fixed it up, basically got it kind of like the birth strategy, but we did, our loans were like only 55,000. And so we were able to have some good equity in it, just getting started off. So we did that twice, lived in those for about eight years altogether between the two. And then we were able to take that equity, kind of build our house that we were wanting on some land. And then we took the rest of the equity we're using to invest. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Most people don't think of doing a, a live and flip as their first kind of home purchase, especially since you were 19 years old. Yes. What drew you to that at such a young age? I don't know. I just remember sitting there looking on the computer at houses all the time. And we were, I don't know, I've always kind of liked to do the rehab type of stuff. I mean, not at that time. I'd never done it before, but my parents are pretty handy and that kind of helped and they were definitely for it. So we got the first house for like 37,000. It was just crazy because it was on a couple acres. We ended up selling it for about 129,000. So that started us off like amazing. So, (laughs) well, that's great. How much did you put into the rehab with that? And then of course your sweat equity. Yeah. So we had at least 25,000 in it. But I would say my parents kind of, they were there like every day working at that time and putting it in. So I'm sure they put in some money that they just didn't, you know, tell us about or whatever. So they just were like stuck on, we don't want your loan above 55,000 starting out. So that's great. And being your first, uh, you know, live and flip, were you actually really tracking the costs either? I mean, it's going to be, you're thinking of it as your primary residence and like, oh, let's just put money into it. So they were helping us put a lot of money into it. We would put some here and there. And we didn't move in until it was about halfway done. So I don't know if you've heard, like we're from Henryville, Indiana, and there was like this big tornado that went through at one time. 
And that was right when we got most of our stuff rehabbed. So we had got all new siding on the front, new windows put in and everything. And then this is when we were living there at that time. And then the tornado came through and then ripped out all the siding on the front, all the windows. So then, which that wasn't, it wasn't horrible damage, but we were able to like make an insurance claim and that got us like a free new roof on the house, which we weren't originally going to do. So that part benefited us in some ways, but. It was kind of hectic for a little bit, but it was livable at the time we moved in. So it was just doing stuff here and there. You hear those kind of stories all the time, you know, about the insurance money actually being almost a, a benefit to the investors because they're able to do a little bit more. So yes. you have this first living flip when you're 19. You said that you did two over the course of eight years. So how long were you in that first property before you guys moved on to the second one? Yeah. So we lived in that one for about five years. We had our first two children there got married and then moved in there. But then the second one, we lived there. So yeah, five years. And then we put an offer in on a Hubzoo property. That was another foreclosure. We spent, I think we purchased it for 170,000. So we were able to take the equity from that first house and all the profits and put into that one. We ended up with about a hundred thousand dollar loan on it. That one, we did the full live-in rehab, but it wasn't anything major. It was just all new carpet, all new paint everywhere. And it was a great, it was like a huge house, but we were able to sell that one great also. Sorry, just to make sure I understood. Did you say Hub Zoo? Yeah, Hub Zoo. They have foreclosures. Like it's another website that you can find foreclosures off of. Oh, wow. Can we dig into that a bit? Never heard of that website before. Is it like a typical auction site? Are you able to see the property beforehand? It just walks through the buying process on their website. It depends. You can go online and some of them are owner, like they're occupied. And so you're not able to get into them. But this one, luckily we were able to see with our realtor and she got us in. And so we were able to put an offer in on it. And then we were also able to get a mortgage to get the house. So it wasn't so bad that they wouldn't lend us on a loan. So that worked out. Got it. That's awesome. I, I think a lot of newer investors, you know, and you weren't even using this as an investment, but a lot of new investors, I think, have some hesitation around going to these like online auction sites because there's usually a lot of restrictions, but it sounds like it worked out pretty well for you. Yes. Guys. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like even now looking at auction sites, it kind of, I don't want to not be able to get into the property, but that one worked out great for us because we were able to see all of it and check it out first. And it was actually about a mile down the road from the other house we had. So it was a quick move. <laughs> okay. Now so you guys have these two live-in flips and then you said it, it was earlier this year that you actually started investing with intention. So yes. walk through that transition and how you guys landed at that point. Yep. So our main goal was to buy some land and build our house on it before, well, I mean, also along with investing. So we were able to do that. We moved in last October into our house and then we pulled our equity out at the beginning of this year. And then we were able to start using our equity line to invest. And that was kind of before I knew about all the hard money lending and was afraid to jump in with all of that. So I'm sure we could have started a lot sooner, but our equity is what we were kind of going for at that point. When, now that you have your primary residence, you did your two live and flips. How did you get started into actually buying your first investment property? And what did that kind of look like? Did you analyze deals for years? Did you say, oh, wake yeah. up one day, we're investing, let's buy a oh, house? Oh, no, yeah. So I've been analyzing for like probably five years at least. I mean, the first, yeah. us going through the flips was kind of our steps and we were reading books every, you know, I was reading them all the time, but I wasn't really jumping in. Like I would do all the reading, but never really did action on I don't know. I never went to any meetups or anything like that until this year, which was like a huge change. So that definitely helps. Talk about the meetups and you're doing that. So most are virtual now. Do you think that really helped you like accelerate your investing? Talk about that and how powerful it is for people to get out there and join these meetups and network with people. Yeah, that was definitely our most important thing. And I still recommend everybody do it because I'm normally pretty shy. And so I don't want to jump in. And I was so afraid to go to those meetups. Like, you know, I'm just 
picturing all these big time investors and they're like, who wants to talk to somebody new? And then I was like, I don't know what I'm doing or anything, but actually, so I got on Instagram and I started the Instagram kind of this beginning of this year when we started to get our first flip, which we purchased with a partner which I can go into later too. So then I was just kind of documenting stuff we were doing, which helped a lot. But then I was starting to connect with other investors in our area that were kind of more my age. And one of them, well, several of them are like my best friends now. So we started to go to the meetups and then people would be like, oh, hey, you know, she would introduce me to different people. And then it just got like really big after that. It helped so much. So now like a lot of those girls, like there's wholesalers, there's some realtors, and a few other things. We go to like a weekly coffee in the morning. And so we just kind of go over things and it's just awesome. So we get new recommendations all the time. I invite new people that just want to come on or, you know, that don't connect with many people our age. And so I'll invite them be like, Hey, come hang out with us and try to bring each other in. But it's definitely so important. Now, Jacqueline, if I'm a new investor or, you know, an inspiring investor and I haven't done anything yet, how do I go into these meetups? Like, what should I be saying to introduce myself? I think that's what holds a lot of people up is that they're like, like you said, I haven't done anything. I don't know anything. How do you introduce yourself or how do you start those conversations as a new investor? Yeah, I still kind of feel that way sometimes. So I'll just kind of go up and be like, hi, you know, I'm Jacqueline. I just try to find out what they do, how they got into it. And most of them are all like so happy to talk. And then some people even come up to me and be like, hi, you know, who are you? What do you do? And it just goes from there. You just kind of go into like, I'm looking for this kind of property or this is my goal. You never know if you'll find like a wholesaler and be like, hey, I can put you on my buyer's list. And that happens all the time. And my sister-in-law and brother-in-law are wholesalers. So that's an easy introduction for me. I can be like, hey, you know, they wholesale. I'd be happy to give you their contact information. And so normally that helps a lot too. I remember the first couple meetups I went to in person in Buffalo. One of them, I went to the wrong bar. There was like two bars named the same. Oh no. So I was walking around and then finally I found the right one. And someone else came like an hour after me. They had gone to the wrong bar too, so I didn't feel as bad. But I also had to beg my one partner to go with me the one time. He's very hands-on construction. Like for him going out into the city to a meetup just to talk and hang out was like a waste of time for him. But afterwards he was like, oh my God, I have like an adrenaline rush just like talking about stuff that I love to do. And it is, it is so fun once you get there. And just a recommendation. I mean, the Zoom calls are a lot easier, I think. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not in person just standing there. But recommendation I have is find someone online, whether Instagram, Facebook, or any kind of a group thing online that this meetup might have, and connect with one person on there. You know, know their face so that you have someone to look for when you get there to talk with. And then before you know it, everybody will be talking with you and time will fly and you won't even realize it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about the first property then the first one you got under contract okay. this year. Yeah. So we got that one in April. We went in with a partner. So it was kind of like a pocket listing off the MLS. Um, our realtor had it and you know, we were red looking for one. It just kind of worked out. We were able to secure it and everything. So we purchased that, worked on it well, with our partner, he ended up paying for all of it. So all the purchase costs. Kind of he's younger. He wanted to get into investing, but didn't really have time to do much of the other stuff around from his job and everything. So we agreed we put in like we would do all the physical work and everything. And then we funded part of the rehab costs and stuff, which wasn't, you know, too much. We put about twenty three thousand into it all together. And then we finally got around to selling it. We closed yesterday, actually. 
Oh, so exciting. Yes, I know. I can't wait. I'm going to go to the bank after this and get everything sorted out. But I'm so excited. Well, we feel so special you're doing this with us first before going to the bank. Yes, right? I know. No, this is awesome. But yeah, so it took about 60 days in closing. The buyers were VA loan and stuff. So it got pushed out a few more times, but it finally ended up okay. So, and then we're going to just split the profits 50-50. So, and then maybe next year do another one together. So we'll see. How did you find your partner? I mean, this is your first deal ever as an investment property. How did you right. go about It that? just kind of worked out. So I work for my realtor in town as her just kind of assistant, friend of the family, but her son was wanting to invest. And so it just, it worked out. She put it together and, you know, we're kind of friends. So that was no problem. That's so funny because that's how I did my first property was the guy that I worked for, an investor. Yeah, I partnered with his son on the first deal. He put in the money. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it, it worked funny. out great. So yeah, definitely. And that's the thing. You don't know who is in your network and connections unless you're telling people what you want to do and listening right. to what other people are looking to do to find that there might be people a lot closer to you than you think that you can actually partner on a deal. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about the conversation? How can you recommend to someone they approach someone about being their partner? You know, we didn't have much of one on that point because he was just ready and he trusted us just being family. So we didn't have much of a conversation on it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but I deal more so with his mom being our realtor and she kind of, we go together and stuff. So I'm getting ready to try and figure that part out myself because we're wanting to partner up possibly. So my husband quit his job this year about two months ago so we could do this full time because we have like four flips going right now. And it was just getting to where it was too time consuming. So we're looking to possibly partner for rental properties just since we're not going to be able to get refinanced as easily now that we don't have W-2 income, but we're trying to creatively figure that out right now. So I just want to say real quick, your first year flipping and you guys have already quit your W-2 jobs. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Probably oh, maybe not the smartest one, but we're doing well. I mean, we're doing okay. So it's working out. <laughs> I want to go back to your question, Ashley, because I think it was a good one about like, how did you build that relationship with that partner? And, you know, there's this old kind of adage in marketing about people buy and do business with people that they know, like, and trust. And you hear that a lot in, in the marketing space, but it's the same for investing, right? And when you're looking for people to partner with, you're looking for private money, people are going to do deals with people that they know, like, and trust. So for you, obviously you already had this pre-existing relationship with that person. So it makes sense why they did it. But for the folks that are listening, if you're looking for someone to partner with, start being more vocal about what it is that you're doing. You know, and Ashley and I have talked about this before, but even if you haven't done a deal yet. Start talking about the deals that you're looking at and the deals that you're analyzing and the markets that you're looking at and why you're looking at those markets. Because the more that you kind of spread your knowledge about what you're doing, the more people start gravitating towards you. Even before I was, you know, the co-host for this show, I had a lot of folks reaching out to me just because they saw all the stuff that I was doing on social media and you'd never know who's watching. So I'm sure Jacqueline, you're documenting everything that you're doing right now. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like, man, I really want to work with Jacqueline. So hopefully she reaches out to me. I bet people are thinking that right now. Yeah, it really helps. And I think people could just go to like their meetups, like say you have a deal you're wanting to work on, or you have numbers already ran out and you just need some more help with it or anything. I would just take that sheet with you and be like, go into that meeting and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, do you have anybody you think that would be interested in partnering with me? And then I just, I know that people would just pass it along. They're so nice and helpful. And at least at our meetup, it's great. So. Especially if the, you know, experienced investors, they might look at that and be like, wow, that is a great deal. Hey, let's partner on that. And that's like an easy deal for them because they've been in the grind for so long. Let's find those easy deals that are brought to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think newer people might be like, oh, what if they steal this deal from me? But I don't think that really happens in those kind of things. You know, I think they're more so ready to help you. So yeah, I agree with that too. <laughs> How many deals did you guys do before you made the leap for your husband to, to walk away from his W-2 job? So we did this one flip with the partner, which we were hoping to close before, obviously yesterday, but so we knew we'd be having income from that, that we could put away for, you know, our security fund and our so many months fine savings. And then we had one property that we bought in April and we refinanced it. It was kind of like a burr property. We had that done in May, but we decided the numbers kind of work better right now for us to sell it. So with him quitting, we decided we're going to sell that. So that should close the end of December. And then we have two more that we're working on. That'll be done in around February. So with him quitting, what we did was we got him kind of like, he's really handy on contracting type stuff, hands-on. He's more the hands-on person. So he doesn't want anything to do with the numbers, any of that, you know? So we got him an LLC started and because right now we're using a hard money lender for our latest flip. So I was like, if we're paying another contractor, we may be paying them three grand a month or, you know, whatever to be doing these things. Why don't we just turn it to where we're paying you that money to where that's your income. And we're also getting income from our flip at the end also. So we were kind of double timing it, I guess. (laughs) So instead of paying another contractor. I love that too, because if you take a partner on, I don't know if you, do you have a partner on that current deal you're talking about? No. Okay. So if you take a partner on, a lot of times people are like, how do we split the equity? Like my husband, he's going to be doing the rehab. I'm going to be doing the numbers, keeping track of the expenses. And then we have the guy that's putting in the money, doing something like that, where if you actually allocate a price to each of those jobs, and that's how you're paying yourself, you can split your equity, you know, divide by three people and then say, okay, if you're doing the rehab, you get paid three grand a month. If you're doing the bookkeeping, you get paid a thousand dollars a month, something like that. And that's a great way is to pay yourself up depending on what job you're doing for the flip or even a rental property, you know, if someone's managing stuff like that. So I think that's really awesome how you guys are doing that. You're kind of making those multiple income streams (laughs) from the property. (laughs) We're making it work. So (laughs) yeah. Do you want to go into a little bit about what your duties are for the flips? What you have to do? Yeah, we kind of, we're still kind of figuring that out right now. We're trying to transition to where, like I do a lot of the hands-on stuff. Also, I'm good at the painting, you know, the kind of the more basic stuff, like he's the heavy duty lifter, you know, beam stuff like that. But we're kind of starting to transition because we want to grow some more this year. And so I just need to be able to be in office a few more days a week than I'm able to right now. Because with our kids, it's also hectic because, you know, virtual learning right now. So we're trying to figure all that out. But so I want to be able to do more of the hands-on looking for deals, getting contractors set up and everything. And then he can be more so meeting the contractors out there, getting everything scheduled and working there physically during the day, doing the contracting work. So. Like we hire out electric plumbing, stuff like that. So he doesn't do that. Now, I want to hit a little more, Jack, on the fact that you guys or your husband walked away from his W-2, because in case you haven't noticed, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. A lot of people are are afraid to start investing in real estate, right? There's so much that's going on right now. There have been a lot of people who, like you, have been, you know, reading and watching for years. But when when this happened, a lot of people kind of took a step back and and they wanted to take the wait and see approach. But you guys went the exact opposite route, right? And you kind of went first into this, which which I applaud you for. Um, But I I guess just kind of walk us through a little bit more about that mindset. Like, were you guys nervous, you know, having your husband walk away? Because it sounds like you did it before that first deal even finished, right? So (laughs) I guess just walk us through that mindset. 
Yeah. So, I mean, this, it was just something that I've always wanted to do. And I mean, like, it's just nothing was going to turn me away. Like I'm going to do it no matter what happens in the market. <laughs> like somehow, you know, we'll figure something out. But so him, he, it really wasn't expected the day that he quit. It was a factory type job. He'd been there eight years, like steel work. People get hurt there all the time or, you know, stuff smashes them. Or no. It was a rough job. And he would come home just completely exhausted every day because they work nonstop. And then he'd be going to the other houses. And we were just like, he was exhausted. It just got to the point where he had a few like rough weeks and it just wasn't getting any better. So he was like, he just kind of threw it out there. You know, what if I quit? And I was like, well, what if you do? And it just kind of ended up, he didn't go back the next day. So <laughs> yeah, we'd always thought we'd have more rentals before we had him quit because we knew that would be our main issue afterwards. But so right now we're going to work on flipping until we can get our good couple years worth of income built up or, you know, tax history wise. And then also, like I said, my sister and brother-in-law flip house, they wholesale, but they're also flipping now. So I was like, well, you can always go work for them contracting wise if we needed to, because they're going to always be hiring people for random stuff. So if we need income, otherwise you can go do that type of work. And then we're getting so much more into the, our local real estate meetups and everything. I'm like, I, we have a lot of friends in there and I'm like, I know you could easily get work doing random stuff for them. So we just kind of knew we could figure something out. Well, kudos to you two for having the confidence in yourselves, right? And, and betting on yourselves to be able to like figure it out, right? And find a way to make it work. So I, right. I love that story. Now, I guess last question, we didn't really talk about this. What made you guys choose flipping, right? There's so many other ways to get started. It sounds like, you know, some folks that are wholesaling. You can always yep. do just like the long-term burr strategy. Like, like what made you say flipping is, is the path we want to go down? I guess I would love to burr more. So wholesaling really isn't for us. I, I'm not like a negotiator very well. That just you know, I'll leave that to them, but I love rehabbing stuff and kind of doing stuff ourselves and everything. So the birth strategy is our main thing I wanted to do, but now that our, it's like our stuff has changed. So flipping is just kind of how I think we need to just do it for now, especially yeah. to build up with our money lender that we're doing. I just want to add, right? Because that's a really common strategy, right? Where people use like flipping or wholesaling to like make these big chunks of cash, right? To kind of be their active income. And then they take those big chunks of cash and they put it into, you know, burrs, kind of more stable long-term investment. So sounds like that's the path you guys are going to eventually go down. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our plan. And then once we get so many, then our money lender will be able to fund more deals. So this is our first one with them. After it goes smooth, then they'll be able to do a couple at a time. So we're excited about that because we'd rather use that than our home equity if we can. What are your current goals with this business? Do you have like a one-year, a three-year goal set for this? Yeah. So in this one and a half year, I think we have left to get our tax history started. And then I really want to build up just single family rentals for the next year. And then we hopefully want to move into multifamily. But our goals have changed so many times this year already, just so it's kind of hectic. Uh, I don't even know, you know, it could change next month. So I just, I like I to can relate everything. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could just. It's this yeah. shiny object syndrome. You're like, oh, wait, you can do it this is. that way. Oh, let me go chase it. I know. That. And I'm still dying to try like an out-of-state investment just because I want to try it. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but so let's yeah. talk about that numbers on your recent deal that you just closed on. Can you really dive into that? You know, how you financed yeah. it, what the rehab looked like, and now what it ended up being at after you sold it. They had it on the MLS for 79000 It had actually had a price drop. Well, let me start out. They had it listed. It was pending from somebody. That deal fell through. It's a few miles down from our house. So I'd always been kind of eyeing it. And then it got back on the market and dropped like 15,000. So then it was listed 79,000. So 
I was all for it. That day I went and saw it. They had multiple showings. So we knew everything around here has been going over asking. Like, so we ended up putting an offer in 92,100. They came back to us and accepted our offer. We went with SharePoint Lending out of Louisville, Kentucky. They are the hard money lender we did. And they required 10% down of our purchase price. So just of what we purchased it for. So we put $10,600 down. And then when we went to close, they took care of the rest of the purchase price. So they paid like 80 7,000. And then they will lend up to 75% of the ARV. So our total is like 126,000 that we have available to draw from them. So as construction draws, but we know we're going to go over that a little bit. So we are going to use some of our own money from these other flips that we have to put into it. I think we're going to have like 20,000 we need to do in ourselves. but the house is worth around 200,000. So we should make around 40,000, I think by the end, but it's going to be done probably February. It's just going to be like a few month rehab, but we're just kind of in the middle of it now. And that rehab cost that includes what you're paying your husband to, correct? Oh yeah. We've taken some draws out, which we've already, right now we're pretty much maxed on our draws with them. We've used all of that money, but since we've closed, we were waiting on that money to come in to put into that rehab. So we would take the draw, like we painted the whole exterior of the house and we paid ourselves for doing that. So we paid like 1500 I did what we paid another exterior painter. So I was like, well, we're going to do it this time. We'll pay us that. And then some other things we've done also, like some demo work. We paid another company at another house demo work. So we just use that for us. And so now we're just kind of doing, we're not going to be paying ourselves while we use our own money at this point. But yeah, it helped while we were in between. So that's kind of nice because a lot of times it's the delayed gratification. Like, okay, yes. we're doing all this work now, but we're not getting paid until the house sells. Exactly. Where now you're at least getting, well, you know what? If I go and paint today, I'm going to get this money now or something like right. that. Right, and but, it helped while that yeah. was in between. And, you know, yeah. So. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about hiring contractors to do these jobs. Do you have yep. a system in place for that? Do you get multiple bids? How does that work for your business? Yeah. So I haven't had to do like a full contractor that does a lot of our stuff. We do some contract out certain things like our electric, our water, or like plumbing. We have a kind of a friend, the family that does plumbing. So he's quoted us pretty good pricing. Some electricians, we've been through a few, had some that just don't get back to me or, you know, so we're still kind of trying to figure that out. We've got one that I think is going to work out. So he's supposed to be coming soon, but I had to do some bids on the roof. Actually, this was kind of crazy. This company had done another roof for us, but then they came to quote this one and quoted it like 22,000 for all new roof, some siding, soffit, fascia, gutters. And I was like, that's really high. So I was searching around for some other quotes, got several more that were around 15,900, which was a big difference. So I ended up not getting great reviews on the ones that quoted us lower, but I told the other company, I was like, Hey, I can't do it for this price. We're getting 15.9. And they were like, oh, well, we might be able to come down. We can come down to that. And I'm like, how are you going to come down $6,000 off of that? So we used them, but I don't know that we will continue in the future if we have to keep negotiating every single thing they <laughs> quote us. So yeah. yeah. That's a good lesson, right? But I think what I want to get from you, Jacqueline, is like, if I'm a new investor and I'm trying to buy my own first flip, what's the best way for me to estimate what these rehab costs are? Right. Like, like if I'm a newbie and I don't really have this background that you and your husband now have, how did you guys go about doing that when you were newer to the game? Well, with us doing the other houses we've done, I had kind of an idea. And then personally, my dad also has flipped 
some houses for my brother and sister. They've done the same thing we did. So I kind of followed along with theirs and got numbers and was always asking him like, how much was your furnace install and everything? And I could kind of keep up with all that. I would just get, which is, I still haven't ever had contractors come out before I purchased the property to quote everything. I just kind of do estimates. I know there's the book on estimating rehab costs and I went through that some. So I think that would be a good start. Just getting an idea, especially if you go off of the inspection report, that would be what I would start doing is get the inspection report, figure out what I think needs to be done off of that. And then you can go from there. That's great advice. I know what I've done in the past, right? It definitely is a lot easier once you get your first deal done, because you can kind of use that as like reference for what future deals will cost. Yes. But there's a few ways, and this is just me sharing some things that I've learned along the way. If you have like an investor-friendly realtor, a lot of times they can give you some decent ballparks on what, what rehab costs might be. I know that's how I kind of got started initially is that I had a realtor who was also an investor himself, and he was able to give me some some ballpark figures. But worst case scenario, you can really just guess when you're doing your initial offer to the seller, because you're going to have that inspection period, like you said, to really go back and kind of do your real due diligence. So say that you assume rehab costs are going to be 10,000. You do your inspection report that comes back. You have a contractor go through all during your, your kind of due diligence phase. If you're off, you're off and you go back and you adjust your offer and either the seller accepts or they don't. And you know, you, you can kind of take it from there. So right. I just want to highlight that's what I've seen in the past. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yes. Yeah. So I want to talk to you also now, Jacqueline, about actually selling this property, right? Like, sounds like you guys are having some good traction, but were you at all nervous about going into these flips, knowing that there's a lot of folks that, you know, unemployment's going up and these things are happening and it's kind of scary out there. I guess, what are your thoughts been on trying to sell these properties? Yeah, I get a little nervous. This one we haven't sold yet. So we're still in the rehab process, which I still think we'll be okay on that. But another one, the first one we sold, we were a little iffy. It was kind of in a more C-class area of our little town, which it's not, you know, a horrible road or anything, but we were kind of iffy on that. It ended up selling fine. But so I just kind of get a little nervous with everybody with unemployment. Like once that ends and people are showing all their income history that maybe they're going to have a hard time getting approved for their loans. So we'll see how it goes. How long did it take to sell the first house? How long was it on market? We actually got an offer about a week later. It didn't take too long, which we originally hoping that we would have one within the first couple of days, <laughs> but yeah, it took a week, which felt like a while, but no, it was okay. And then it was about 60 days to closing. So yeah, I don't think a week is bad. I mean, here the no. market is so hot and every single listing, the realtors are putting like offers are due this day at this time. Like they give a week just to view the property, sometimes even only two days to view it. Yes. Are you seeing that in your market too, where there's not enough inventory? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, with me working with our realtor, I help her schedule showings and stuff. And it's like a lot of them that we call, they're like, oh, we've already got multiple offers and you know, it's too late already after the first day. And we're like, okay. Or they extend it and be like, we need the highest and best by tomorrow night. And that was just on several recently. So that's why there's like, I mean, nothing lasts and definitely in certain price ranges. And if they're remodeled and in a decent price, they're going to sell fast. So yeah. yeah, my brother is trying to buy a house hack. He's moving to Rochester, New York, which is about an hour and a half from where we live in Buffalo. And so we went and looked at a property on the MLS and there was an open house. There was, you know, they had 27 people that had gone through the open house already. And it was just an hour long open house. Well, they had already had four offers in. And then I think they had a total of maybe seven offers the next day when the offers were due. But what we learned is like even just being an hour and a half away, the market there was very different. You had to basically have an escalation clause. 
So I had never yes. even heard of this. Like, right. <laughs> we, I mean, I guess it's been a while since I bought something off the MLS. So an escalation clause is when you put in your offer, but then you say, I will add $500 onto your highest offer up to a certain amount. So if I'm offering 100000 I can put an escalation clause saying, whatever your highest offer is, I'll add you know, $500, $200, $1,000, but I won't go over 120000 So if someone's offer is 119000 I can get that property because I can get it for 119500 So just all these different kind of strategies that yes. people are using now and our realtor said basically no contingencies, no inspection. She really wanted a cash offer, but I really want my brother to use an FHA loan. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what does it look like in your market putting in offers like that on the properties you're buying? Yeah. So actually I have some friends in Kentucky, so they're a little different because I'm in Indiana, but one of my best friends is a realtor and an investor. And so she was telling me about the escalation clause and she's like, we use it about every other day, you know, all the time here. And that's how she got her house purchased. And so I was talking to my realtor here. I was like, do we have that? You know? And she's like, yeah, it's, it's just rarely used right in our area for some reason. I don't know. And I guess sometimes even though like you have the highest offer that maybe one offer that's lower, maybe less contingencies and everything may still get picked, even though your escalation clause is higher. So it just kind of depends. but. Most of them are going multiple offers. Yeah. And that's kind of how that, that one that we just purchased was they had so many other offers and that's why we offered over asking to purchase okay. it. So now you mentioned earlier, Jacqueline, that you guys were planning to profit about 40 K on this deal. Can you walk us backward on how you calculated that profit? Because I know flipping, there's a lot of costs that I think new investors forget to account for. So oh, yeah. just educate us a little bit on how you landed on that 40 K. Yeah. So I just broke it down and went through literally every single thing that we've done from our other properties, like how much I know paint's going to cost for me to do it or cabinets and flooring. We've had a few unexpected things. Like we have a fireplace that's a wood burning stove. And we were like, that probably won't be a big deal to fix. I never had a fireplace before, never dealt with one, but we ended up spending about 5,000 on that to get that up to code and everything. And so that was kind of unexpected. We knew half the house was older and then half the house was like brand new. The subfloor underneath of that looked awesome. But when we got to the backside, it's been kind of crazy. There was like sub, there was the subfloor, which was hardwood. And then they had two layers of drywall and then they had carpet padding and carpet. So like, I've never seen drywall on a subfloor. So we've been ripping up drywall in those back areas because you couldn't see that on the inspection because underneath it's hardwood and on top it's carpet. So we went through like 30 yard dumpsters already and we've been taking stuff on our trailer loads. So it's been kind of crazy on that, but. Yeah. So we just kind of broke down every item, how much we were going to spend or what our budget should be for it. And we've just been going off that went through like the realtor fees. I went ahead and added those in that I know from the sale price, what we should be expecting on that. And just kind of a lot of people add like a 10% contingency just in case something else comes up, which I recommend doing because it definitely will. What about holding costs such as, you know, the property taxes you're paying during that time, the insurance, any utilities you have turned on? Yes. So we are paying for all of that. And I'm also paying a thousand dollars interest for having it with the hard money loan, which just started this month. It was like a delayed month out, but we're paying the electric, the water. It hasn't been bad so far. It's, the water is about $20. The electric's about less than a hundred, which we just had turned on a little while back. And then the insurance is like 380, somewhere in there for three months. 
And actually on this property, we've already had to make an insurance claim because a few weeks ago, right before Thanksgiving, the day before our property got broken into and they kicked the back door in. It was like my husband left at four o'clock at night and we lived down the road. So he left some of his tools and everything, which we normally do, which we aren't doing anymore. Yeah. They broke in apparently overnight, took all of our tools and everything. So we had to file a claim. Luckily we had builder's risk insurance on there. And I know a lot of times that doesn't come on your insurance plan. So we had up to 5,000 and we made it, it was almost about 5,000 total. So they gave us a check for about 2,500 back since our deductible was 2,500. So that at least helped us replace our main tools. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> I know. About two weeks before that, we had our lawnmower stolen at our other property and it was parked out oh, back. Man. And I was like, what is going on? It's definitely the season. And so it's like, you know what? We can't leave anything. And I didn't have the key in it, but I would recommend putting those up because you can buy like a $3 lawnmower key at any Ace Hardware, anywhere like that. And it works in like most lawnmowers. Oh, so I didn't know that either until then. And yeah, so... I have found a good security camera. I know some people are looking for some for like rehab properties that don't have Wi-Fi. And so we purchased one. It's called Reolink. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's Reolink Go. And then you can get this solar panel that attaches to it. And you just buy like a SIM card or data card from like T-Mobile at the store. And it can go straight to your phone and everything without having, you know, Wi-Fi hooked up. Because that was our problem. We don't have Wi-Fi. It was about 200 bucks to buy one. So I'd like to have a few more. And then there's no monthly cost then. Yeah, not really. The monthly cost would just be if your data plan runs out, which is normally like 25 bucks, I think, to buy a card for it. We haven't bought it yet because we're waiting on the camera to come in and then we're going to go get the data card and see how it works. But yeah, definitely worth it, especially if you only have the property for like three months, then, you know. Right. And then you can keep using that for another property, right? You can just keep moving it. Just move it around. That's very cool. Yeah, Yeah, that's great advice. Okay, so let's move on to our next segment here where we want to hear about someone that has really been a valuable player to your team, someone who has really helped you grow and accelerate your real estate business. And we call this the MVP. (laughs) Yes. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act 
a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. So who is your most valuable player? So I have a lot, but my main ones would probably be my realtor for like the professional. She just helps me so much. Like I can be like, Hey, what do you think of this property? Or can we go see this? Can you meet me here? And she's always willing to be like, yeah, let's go see it. Or I'll print it out. Or, you know, it's been great. And she'll give me her advice and run comps anytime she need, anytime I need them or just double check my comps and everything. So she's definitely invaluable. I have another friend that I've met through our local Korea real estate association and she's a realtor investor. And so I call her all the time. I'm like, Hey, what do you think of this? Cause she's good on like the rental side and everything. So she's got lots of ideas. She does like a lot of the Mike Butler courses and things like that. Like the videos. I don't know if you've seen that. He's got like a tenant training video that you can show your tenants when they like are moving in. It's just kind of like a 10 minute long video. Yeah. Would it be like a welcome video to them as to like, these are the processes of how, you know, the tenant landlord relationship goes. Yeah. It just kind of overviews and be like, call me for this, or, you know, this is what you need to do for this. And it's just like nice. And you can buy that on his website and everything. But she's like, I show that to my tenants. And then while they're watching that video, I'm going through taking pictures and doing just like the general walkthrough before they move in. So that's kind of a good resource. And he's got some other things I think on his site that are helpful. I'm just able to call her all the time on rentals or just any investment questions. And she's also on our board of our real estate investor association. So So how does someone find a great realtor like that? I got lucky just because I've had the friends, the family and everything, but I would go to the real estate investor meetup groups and definitely find one using them because I mean, I could find several that I would use already if I didn't have my realtor that would help me and be investor friendly and everything. So that would be your main thing to do because a lot of people aren't as investor knowledgeable as maybe some others. So just going there. A lot of them are realtors that are in there. So, and if you don't have like a local meetup happening right now, Bigger Pockets is obviously a great place to go. I know the first realtor that I ever worked with, I found him on Bigger Pockets, like in, I don't know, one of the forums or something like that. And obviously, we've got the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group. There's a ton of folks in there. So, I'm sure if you know, you kind of put a line out there, someone that you can connect with as well. So, lots of different forums. 
I want to take us now to the rookie request line, Jacqueline. You've got so much good knowledge. I want to see if we can pull some more out of you. So for, for the listeners, if you guys want to get your question on the show, just call one 5 rookie leave a voicemail, and we might use it on the show. So today's question, Jacqueline. Hi, guys. My name is Rick. I'm out in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm having trouble convincing my wife to start investing. We do have a sizable amount of debt. I am currently a manager at a coffee shop, so our income is not very vast, I would say. I'm trying to figure out if I should get my real estate license to make a little bit more and how I can get her on board. Should I bring up hard money? Thank you. You know, that's up to him on his real estate license. I don't know, you know, what his goals are. But if I were him and I had a real estate investor group in the area, I would, of course, try to go to those together. I don't know how the debt, you know, how his money situation is on that side. But looking into maybe partnering with somebody would be a great idea because they could possibly fund the money or they could offer to do the work and just things like that. Just different alternatives to or even using hard money, which is going to be harder if you have so much debt, like depending on how his amounts are. And I just have to know more about probably how his goals are. And I want to know a little more information, but definitely start with the meetups, maybe see if his wife will go with them and just kind of hear him out. Jacqueline, I think you're a good example of this because you are working for a realtor and I'm sure just being her assistant, you're getting access to a ton of people in her network. You're seeing different deals go through the desk that other investors are buying. So do, okay. would that be something that you recommend to people is, you know, getting a part-time job working for someone who is investing or who is a realtor and maybe starting out and seeing if you would actually like to get your license? Oh, definitely. That's one thing I wish I did before because I was in healthcare before a respiratory therapist in the hospital. So for several years, I wish I would have went back and started because that wasn't my long-term goal was to work there. I never really loved it, but I wish I would have went and worked for a property management company or realtor's office sooner. I just got lucky this year. She got her office here in our town. And so it worked out. We could work together, but that's definitely like the best way. I think just learning from other people. And even if you have to float around to a few places, like start go to a property management company, work for them, just get their systems down, figure out how they do it, deal with tenant relationships and inspecting their apartments and everything. And that just can benefit so much. And there's also the second part to that question too, about like getting your spouse on board. And I think everyone's going to have different experiences with that, but it also depends on what level of involvement you want your spouse to have. Like if you just want permission from your spouse, right. Then I think what you said, you know, about like, Hey, show them that you're serious, you know, show them that you're going to these meetups, show them that you're reading in these books, show them that you're, you know, networking with other people, that you're doing these deal analysis and things like that. But if you want your spouse to be involved, that one's a little tricky, right? Like when I first got started, my wife wasn't really involved, right? She knew what I was doing. She was supportive of it, but it wasn't until we found a niche that excited her as well, that she actually got involved in the process. So um, exactly. I, I guess my advice to Rick would be, if you're looking to bring your wife in, maybe see if there's a strategy that she likes more. Maybe it's not buy and hold, maybe it's fix and flip like you guys, or maybe it's wholesaling. Maybe there's something else that she likes. And one thing to add on to that too is show them the numbers. Like if you have a deal you're looking at, like break it down and be like, this is where I'm getting the money from. So for me to get my husband on board, I wasn't using any of our own money. I had a partner, he was supplying the money. So it wasn't like I was risking our life savings to do this. So that definitely helped me. But then I showed, okay, like this is how it will work. Look at the numbers. Here's the cash flow at the end of the month. Like I'll be getting this extra. And at that time, probably wasn't until our third property, we were actually got into Dave Ramsey and, you know, paying down debt. And I was like, okay, I can use this cash flow to accelerate paying off my student loans. And I did. And then after that, it was even more exciting to him. Well, let's tackle the next loan. And 
So just showing the numbers and really if you or your spouse are into disc profiling, doing that and you can see what would work for your partner too. Are they a numbers person where they want to see those numbers or are they more of, I don't even know what what else you would do for it, but you know, they want to see the plan or, you know, but using the disc profile too can really help you see how you would actually pitch this, I guess, if that's the right word to your spouse. Yeah. But we'll put a link to that in the show notes to the disc profile. I'll say my husband actually wasn't always on board. So that was just kind of a big change too. For years, whenever I was just kind of always wanting to know more, reading books and I was trying to get him to read books and that's just not his thing. Like he's not going to want to, he does not want to read. He wants to be hands-on. He wants to be out there doing stuff. Like even, you know, sometimes I was like, well, let's watch YouTube videos on how to do, you know, plumbing. And he's like, I don't want to do that. I want to go and actually physically do it. So that was hard for a while, just getting him on board. And so, yeah, like I just thought we just had to figure out what worked for us. Like he, the paperwork and that side just is not going to be his thing. It never will be like, he is hands-on. He wants to know more about the contracting stuff. He wants to just do, that's his thing. And that's just what we had to figure out that we are separate in that way, but it works out both of us together doing that. And the fact that you made it so that he could quit his full-time job too had to be a nice incentive to show him like, hey, we can make this happen. <laughs> so that's another way you could pitch it. <laughs> I mean, do you want to quit your job? Because, you know, you can do this. Like it was always thrown out there. <laughs> so he probably hated hearing it. No, it's felt like, oh, for three more years. And it was like killer to him to hear like so many more years. But it just, we took the jump. And so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that. Now, Jacqueline, before we let you go, we want to ask you just a couple more questions to get to know you uh, okay. a little bit better. So I guess my first question for you is what tools or software are you guys using to help support your flips? Are you guys managing this through like Excel and text messages or do you have some kind of really cool website? Just what tools or software are you guys using? Yeah. So I have a great Excel spreadsheet my sister-in-law had gave me and it's been awesome. So I would share that with anyone if they need something to get started. Our tax person loves it. But I decided this past week, I wanted to start using QuickBooks with my tax advisor. And so I had a one-on-one meeting with them and they, you know, walked me through all of it and everything. That way next year I'll be on track. They can see everything and sync it because we want to be able to move up a little bit from there. So that's mainly how we do it. But yeah, I'd be glad to share the Excel one just because we, like if you have multiple businesses, you don't want to have QuickBooks for each one. If you're just starting out, it's kind of expensive, but yeah. That would be awesome. Yep. Yeah. No, and so the Excel file, are you using it just to track the expenses or I guess or give us a little bit more insight on, on what's in there? I track everything on there. So expenses, income, which our income is basically like when we deposit our main amount that we're going to transfer to purchase the house and then income whenever it comes back. But I save up all my receipts. I try to go through once a week and just enter them all in and try to reconcile with my bank. I keep, instead of just like my bank, I have like a, I guess like called a ledger, like, and I keep all my bank accounts in there. And that way I can like sync everything, make sure it syncs on there and then it syncs onto my spreadsheet. Yeah, if we can, we'll find a way to link that on the show notes at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie 43. Yeah. We should be able to add that on there. Thank you very much for sharing that. I know everyone loves documents and resources (laughs) that investors could share. I had one more thing I was going to share if it was, you know, okay. Yeah. So when we went to Burr that property, we had searched around. I don't know if you've heard of Aaron Chapman, not the Aaron Chapman that y'all had on the podcast the other day, which I got another story I wanted to tell you on that. Anyway, so this Aaron Chapman is with Security National Bank and I have all their information. They are out of Arizona, but they specialize in investors. 
So they are very familiar with the Burr method and that's what they specialize in doing. So if you need someone, it's all online. Like I just use my app to upload all my documents and all our income and everything. And it was like the best process ever. So I could also email you his sheet that he sent over of their basic information on terms and everything. So yeah. Yeah. So I was listening to your podcast with Aaron Chapman the other day that you had him on and I happened to be listening and I was like, oh, this is probably the loan officer. And then he got to talking and he was like, yeah, we're in Louisville, Kentucky, which is like our area. He started talking about his, you know, triplex or his duplex he got with that single family. And so the more he talked, I like got on his Facebook and I saw that he's in my area, like right down the road. And so he kept talking about it and talking about it. And I was like, this is the property. Like I got obsessed with this house because I saw it on the market and I was like, no way. It's the same exact like property. And I was like, there's something had, when I was analyzing it, I was like, something's gotta be wrong with this place. But I love that he explained what ended up happening with it and how he did seller financing and stuff. So it was so cool. And then we connected after that. I'm going out to eat with his wife next week. Man, I, I love that the show's like connecting people like that. I That's know, so what cool. a small yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just like, I just thought it was the craziest thing ever. So, yeah. yeah. And so after he was on the podcast, did you reach out to him? Yes. Yeah, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, you know, oh, yeah. Look at every, just what you explained right there, that short little bit. And I mean, it's been a couple of weeks. So just in that yeah. short amount of time, how you've already become friends with him, his wife, sharing resources. Oh, yeah. I was like, hey, we go to a lot of meetups. If you're ever interested, I'll, you know, you all come with us or whatever. And so and they're like, yeah, we're always looking for people that are age because we don't find that a lot. So, right. yeah, so it should work out. Right? Real estate is a relationship game always. Right. So I love that yes. you guys are putting that first. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. So my question for you is what are some must haves that you have to do for flips in your area? I mean, is it every flip has to have granite? Is it every house needs to have air conditioning? What are some must haves that you must do? Yeah. So basically air conditioning, everybody hasn't been as picky on granite lately in our area. I don't feel like, I mean, it's definitely a nice touch, but laminate, um, the flippers in our area have been like, you know, we've had no problem with doing laminate, but also I've had connections that are like granite. You can find some lower prices, just right up a little bit more expensive, but definitely a better look. But no, just, I think all fresh new paint, new flooring, just cleaned up. Like a lot of places just aren't, you know, ready to move in. If, if you can get it moving ready to where they don't have to touch anything. I think that's just the goal around here. So. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything with us. And can you tell everyone a little bit about where they can reach you and find out some more information? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm on Instagram at JacquelineSmith.rei. And then I also started up a YouTube channel. So I'm trying to post more on there as we go just with documenting everything. So if you want to see more about the flips that we are working on now that I talked about, you can get on there and check out our progress. We'll post monthly, but yeah, those are the best two ways. You can also email me at lej.smith at hotmail.com. Yeah. I'd be happy to connect with anyone. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We definitely had a great time listening to your story and make sure everyone checks out biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie 43. We're going to add all of Jacqueline's great resources onto that page. And then uh, don't forget to join our Facebook group. Just search real estate rookie. I'm Ashley Kerr at Welcome Rentals and he's Tony Robinson at Tony J. Robinson. We'll see you guys next week.
The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.